Be sure to check out an up-and-coming new podcast about anything and everything Marvel. The Marvel Fan Rave Podcast, hosted by Jonathan. The show is his platform to give unique views on the entire 80-year Marvel Universe. Be they a man in an iron suit, the king of a reclusive African nation, or the god of thunder, they're all relevant to Jonathan and his immense passion for the House of Ideas. If you're looking for an impassioned, informed, and engaging perspective on the mighty Marvel world, then check out the Marvel Fan Rave Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you stream your content. The Marvel Fan Rave Podcast is a definite must-listen. This is episode 594 for February 2020, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. That opening theme song is from the Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions video game that came out a few years ago. That is the 2099 theme, so I thought that appropriate for a Rick Leonardi interview. Much thanks to Javi for actually conducting this interview uh, in Texas. Uh, he was at a Wizard World Comic Con, and uh, Rick and Leonardi was a guest. So, Javi, you rock. Other people that rock are those that support podcasts like this over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crawlspace. So publicly, I want to thank uh, Jonathan, uh, Robert, Alex, uh, Frazetta Hulk, Josh, uh, Mohammed. David, Laura, Craig, Andrew, Michael, Stuart, Ricky, Thomas, Nick, hashtag something good for you, Hafskimo, Patrick, Will, Frederick, Symbiobro, Dowd, Taylor, JB, Stephen, Jay, Kian, Scott, Michael2099, AJ, Chris, John, Bob, Dat, Dat Boyd, love that name. Uh, Christopher, Eric, and Venkman. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast and get exclusives like the monthly Spider Satellites episode, also, we just released a audio commentary of Amazing Spider-Man 2. We hit a goal on Patreon, and that was our, our reward to all the Patreon members. You get a DVD-type audio commentary where we watched the whole movie uh, together and we uh, give our commentary on it. It was really a lot of fun. So again, patreon.com slash crawlspace. You support the site and we give you some nice perks like reading your name in the front and uh, dozens of exclusive podcasts. All right, Rick Leonardi coming up. All right, crawlspacers, we are here with artist extraordinaire Rick Leonardi at Wizard World Austin. And uh, Rick, how did you get into Marvel Comics? Uh, as a reader or as a... Uh, as, a as a creator and as a reader. What, what was your gateway into the Marvel Universe? Uh, gateway was, uh, when I was small, I think the first Marvel comic that I saw was a... Uh, this is going back a This is back when Doctor Strange and Nick Fury shared a book. In that old days, they couldn't carry their own titles. They had to share a title. I forget what it was called. Tales of Mystery or something like that. Um, and I remember the Doctor Strange episode was drawn by Steve Ditko. And Doctor Strange and Dormammu were dueling with the pincers of power. And 
Doctor Strange was winning until Baron Mordo stabbed him in the back with a magic spell. But was Dormammu pleased about that? No, he was not. He was upset because he wanted to beat Doctor Strange fair and square. Um, which I thought was an intriguing plot line in my, my young self. The other half of the book was Nick Fury, and he was having a hard time with Yellowclaw. Yes. And Yellowclaw had him some diabolical device, and things didn't look good for him at all. But that was my first Marvel comic. And I liked it a lot. Excellent. So, then flash forward to 1980. I'm freshly out of school. I want to work in comics, always have. So, my bright idea was to write a story. Spider-Man story in which he died and uh, saw the ghost of Gwen Stacy in that kind of interval before the bright light before the tunnel. Yeah. He's Gwen Stacy and they have a child. Um, so I wrote that and I penciled it and then I inked it myself and then I put word balloons and text all over it and then because this is 1980 and Kinko's and copy machines didn't really exist yet I had to use a process called photomechanical transfer PMT to reduce my giant crystal boards down to 8.5 by 11 so I could send it through the mail as my submission so that went off fall of 79 and I didn't hear anything back from Marvel at all or DC and both until DC came back with they returned my submission with a couple of vellum sheets taped over a couple of pages with corrections and suggestions and basically the message was not bad kid you know keep trying get back to us later and but nothing from Marvel so January of 1980 I went down on the train from Boston to New York and banged on the door and said where's my submission it's just rude keeping people's stuff without an answer so Jim Shooter we had an interview and Jim Shooter said uh, the problem had was that they thought I could probably do alright as a penciler but they really couldn't tell why because everything had been inked or hidden behind balloons or shrunk down you know to ridiculous small sizes which was kind of a duh moment for me so I went back home did uh, a couple pages of pencil drawings and that was that you recently had a um, Spider-Man 80th anniversary for Marvel issue come out um, where you reunited with Peter David and told the story of the black costume and I'm a little confused on the genesis of that suit I, I thought it was something Mike Zek came up with but um, I found out that you were involved in that as well what was your contribution to the costume Okay. Well, the story, as I understand it, is uh, the original con- original conceit, the idea of a costume change for Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and a change to a costume that was largely black, was something that Randy Schuler, fan Randy Schuler, came up with in, in response to a plot writing contest that Marvel was running at the time. He won the contest with his story in which Peter Parker's costume was lost in a fiery accident. And Reed Richards replaced him, I guess, with a you know, scientifically upgraded black costume. That was the story. And um, he won the contest. They gave him $200 as a 
payment and and a sort of a loose promise that they'd eventually publish it, but they didn't. Yeah. So, but they kept the story and they kept the idea more critical. And so when Secret Wars came around two or three years later, whenever it was, uh, that idea is a sort of a free, free-floating notion in the Marvel atmosphere. Costume change, black. Costume change, black. And that's what happened in, in Secret Wars. Mike Zach came up with with a very first sketch, which is a very hasty, waist up shot of Spider-Man black figure with a spidey thing, jagged leggy things. And then Jim Shooter handed that to me and said, Can you clean this up, tweak it, and then give us a front, back, and sides three view for everybody to use as a technical guide. So, I mean, my contribution was basically to spread the legs so you can see them distinctly. I added a joint because it's a little more spidery, and maybe I did the things on the back of the arm, back of the hands. That was about it. So, uh, skipping forward to 1992, uh, you joined Peter David in launching Spider-Man 2099. True that. What was the genesis for Miguel's costume? Wow. So all the teams for the uh, 2099 initial universe, so four teams, were invited to go to a secret off-site location. So it was a conference room in a hotel in New York. We sat around and talked about what the world of 2099 was going to be like. What technologies were in, what technologies were out, that sort of thing. Uh, sitting sidebar with Peter David and discussing our character, which was a Spider-Man character. He said that the character is going to be Miguel O'Hara, so mixed ethnicity, some Mexican, some Irish. And he wanted, therefore, the costume to be something left over from Miguel's last visit to the Dia de los Muertos in uh, wherever. And so... That meant to me that naturally we had to have some sort of skull, some sort of death's head thing on it, because that's what the Dio de los Muertos is all about. So gotta have a skull. And then Peter said I wanted the character to be able to climb walls. So I said, with sticky stuff? And he said, no, no sticky stuff. So that leaves you with barbs and fingers. So the very first drawing I did in that room on my sketch pad was a hand Little needles sticking out. Yeah. Um, so then, and I think that was about it. Then I went home and uh, worked it up using what I had already had by way of experience with black costume. Eight legs, blah blah. Uh, death's head on the front, on the chest, and uh, I wanted to swap, invert the the blue red. Mm-hmm situation of the original Spider-Man's costume. So that's why you get the black eyes and the red surround. I wanted to flip that. If you lay the fl- if you lay the mask down flat, supposedly it looks like a little bit like a spider. Yeah. You get the idea. Anyway, and so I, then I said, it's just a cat suit, total silhouette. We've got to break that up. So you get two fins off the forearms just to break up the, the contour. Then I thought, well, we discussed... Aglev Roadways as being the chief transportation technology that day. 
but maglev is largely created by high voltage systems. That's hot. That's heat rising up between those super tall buildings. You're going to have you're going to have updrafts. Well, what can you do with updrafts? You can glide on them. Anybody who's read Charlotte's Web knows the ending, right? Spoiler: <laughs> the spiders all glide away on on you know spun web things. That gives you the web cave. And that's basically the costume right there. It's it's suited. It really is tailored to <laughs> tailored. It's tailored to um, that environment, that 2099 wave in New York. So, Where did you pull inspiration from for the city of New York? Well, you know, it's your typical dystopian thing with super tall buildings. The idea of like erecting a new city on top of the old city. Uh, I don't know who came up with that, but it's really good. There's a lot of a lot of richness. A lot of rich storytelling that can come from that notion. And now that we're almost 30 years <laughs> since the character came out, what's it been like for you as the artist to see it in video games, in animation, in on the big screen within the Spider-Verse? Um, I think I think what it says is it says two things. One is, I mean, Spider-Man as a franchise is really strong. There's, uh, there's just, just this continual demand for that guy um, in whatever guise. And I think it also says that the initial conception of the, that costume, that science fiction approach, uh, was worthwhile. You know, it has legs. <laughs> legs. To, uh, you know, to, to, to to keep going. It's curious when when DC called last year and said, "How'd you like to do six issues of Batman Beyond?" Okay, what's Batman Beyond? So I, I Google Batman Beyond and Google images in Batman for Batman Beyond, and what you get is a lot of side by sides. You get a lot of Batman Beyond with Spider Man twenty ninety nine. See, I see where we're going with this. And uh, circling back to something you mentioned, that, that story that you made of Spider-Man dying and seeing Gwen Stacy, there's an element of that in the issue uh, you did with Anne Senti of Spider-Man 17, where yeah, we, he dies. We, we, brainstorm, we brainstormed that. Okay, so yeah. that, that came from your original idea then. Let's kill him. Let's just kill him. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Um... But the original idea of, of, of revisiting Gwen Stacy, even in ghostly form, that was an expression of my, even then, my, my, my unhappiness with her being killed in the first place. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, read, I read Spider-Man religiously up to issue 121 and caught him to that I'm one of those. I'm one of those guys who, who regards Jerry Conway as a man who killed. <laughs> so, in the uh, controversial world that we live in, are you more of a Gwen Stacy man or a Mary Jane fan? Oh, Gwen, yeah. all of them. Even Gwen. How do you so. How do you feel about um, the Earth 65 Gwen Stacy as Spider Gwen? Now, have I been following that? Yeah. I confess I have not. Although, what I've seen, particularly what, what Hang All's been doing, yeah. you know, wow. It's great. It's, you know, yeah. it's, a great, it's a great look. And I, I, I've been looking at the, 
particularly of the uh, In the Spider-Verse movie posters with what they've been doing in terms of posing for Miles Morales. You know, the, the really outflung um, cast into the air kind of positions that, that, that characters been getting into. It's just really dynamic stuff. And I've been trying to, I've been trying to, uh, what's the right word? Catch, homage, steal, that stuff. So it's, it's come full circle then. You've inspired their art, and now they're in turn inspiring you. And that's the way the world goes yeah. around, kids. Well, thank you very much for your time, sir. We really appreciate getting to chat with you today. My pleasure. Thank you. That's a wrap on that episode. I hope you liked it. Uh, one more time before we wrap it all up, I want to remind you about uh, patreon.com slash crawlspace. Log on there to get exclusive thank you content, which uh, one of them is the Spire Satellites, where we review all the books that aren't amazing on that episode. That's a thank you to people that help support this podcast on our website each and every month through Patreon. There's also several other podcasts that are up there that are fun to listen to. Uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. But again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive content and also support things you like, like this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. 